Welcome to Exponential's Reproducing Churches podcast. For the next half hour, we'll be meeting with some of the most innovative leaders who've cracked church multiplication to help you become a level five multiplying leader. Here's your host, author, church multiplier, Peyton Jones. Welcome back to the Exponential Reproducing Churches podcast. I'm your host, Peyton Jones, and I have with me today as a guest, a friend and also a church multiplier, Vance Pittman, pastor of Hope Church in Las Vegas, the heart of Sin City. Vance, welcome on. Hey, Peyton, it's great to be here today. Really appreciate you having me on the podcast and excited about what we're going to be talking about. Well, me too, man. So uh, you have an amazing story, man. Not only do you come from Muscle Shoals, but uh, the go. heart of rock and roll. But uh, see, I remember these things. I picked. I was going to say, not many people know that about Muscle Shoals, so that's good. Well, you know, you you really you come from a long line of people that walk deeply with God, and I mean, it kind of oozes out of you. I've heard you speak at all kinds of different things, but the important thing is that. I got to know you really just mm. just our first meeting was on a bus years yeah. ago for the North American Mission Board and I I was told that hey this guy's coming his name's Vance Pittman he is super burdened for church multiplication but he's specifically has a heart of San of for San Diego and of course you know flashing the big SD myself oh, yeah. uh, we you know we got to talking and uh, just getting to know your heart for church planning and multiplication. Of course, you've got an amazing story about how you ended up in Vegas. Why don't you go ahead and tell us that story? Because that's got the Holy Spirit's fingerprints all over it. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, when I was in seminary preparing to, to, to follow God's call into ministry, if you'd asked me to pick a city in the world you'll never wind up in, Las Vegas would have probably been at the top of my list. Being from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, uh, where I'm from, most people don't come to Las Vegas, and if they do, they don't tell anybody. <laughs> but um, I was, yeah, I came to know Christ as a freshman in college. Uh, like you said, I, my mom and dad were Christians, uh, followers of Christ, first-generation Christians, but people that love the Lord. My dad was a pastor. Um, <clears throat> came to know Christ shortly after that, surrendered to ministry. Kind of started down that trek of ministry, traditionally, you know, student pastor, into pastoring my first church. While pastoring my first church, went through a, a, a kind of a crisis of faith, power struggle. Um, church was growing, but not everybody liked that. So I kind of got run off from a church and really was quitting the ministry. And uh, my dad's church that he was pastoring in Memphis, Tennessee, really loved me back into the ministry. And it was in that season of brokenness that, you know, up until that point in my life, I'd really been pursuing ministry. And if you'd asked me what was the primary call on your life, I would have said ministry. And it was through that period of brokenness that I learned the primary call is not ministry, it's intimacy. And ministry is what mm. he does mm. out of the overflow of intimacy. And so I'm on this journey of pursuing intimacy with Christ, having been broken and left with nothing but Jesus. And one morning I read out of Luke chapter four, this verse where Jesus says, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. And it wasn't a ministry moment for me. I just began to see some stuff in Jesus that wasn't in me, this passion for the kingdom to be expanded in other cities. I went and got my wife. We knelt down in our living room in Memphis, Tennessee, said, Lord, yes, we don't know where, we don't know when. We really thought we were headed overseas to plant our lives in another culture or country, spend the rest of our lives there. And, um, uh, Two weeks later, a mentor named Johnny Hunt 
who was pastoring a church in Woodstock, Georgia, called me and said, Vance, our church feels led of the Lord to start a church in Las Vegas, Nevada, and God's put it on my heart that you're to be the pastor of that church. So two weeks earlier, we said yes. Two weeks later, God mm-hmm. had the audacity to fill in the blank with Las Vegas, and we actually did something I don't recommend church planners to do, but we, we resigned our position in Memphis and began the process of moving to Las Vegas, and we'd never even visited the city. We wow. just so definitively knew God had called us. So we moved east first, moved to Woodstock, built relationships there because we believe churches plant churches, individuals don't. So we wanted to be sent out of that fellowship. So we spent a year there, built a team, got to Las Vegas, December of 2000, almost uh, 20 years ago, and um, began the, uh, the, the, the journey of joining in God's activity of, of planting a church that would reproduce and multiply churches here in Las Vegas. And I'll tell you one, one quick story, and I know you got more questions to ask, but this is just so pertinent to our journey. I got here to Las Vegas, and the first week I got a telephone call from a lady named Letty Peralta. And I didn't know Letty at all. Letty said, uh, she was from the Philippines. She said, Pastor, can I tell you a story? I said, Letty, I don't know anybody in Las Vegas. You can tell me any story you want to tell me. So she proceeds to tell me that she was from the Philippines, had moved to Hong Kong to make money for her family that was very poor. Well, while living there, she became the live-in caretaker for a home for an American family. And over a course of months and years became really a part of that family. So that when that family moved back to America, she moved with them. And they settled in a suburb north of Atlanta, Georgia, called Woodstock, Georgia. And she said, I I lived in Woodstock, and I heard a pastor named Johnny Hunt. I visited a church, and I I heard him preach the gospel, and it changed my life. But she said, my family only got to visit that church about six times, and we got relocated to Las Vegas, Nevada. She said, Pastor, I've been in Las Vegas for a year and a half, and I've prayed every day that the First Baptist Church of Woodstock, Georgia, would start a church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Would you please tell me who sent you here? And here I was, fresh into Las Vegas, just a week. Two weeks earlier, had loaded everything we owned into the park in the parking lot of the First Baptist Church of Woodstock, Georgia, in a green Dodge minivan, driving across the country to Las Vegas, and none of us even knew Letty existed. So here we sit 20 years later having launched 68 churches out of our church, seen thousands of people come to Christ in Las Vegas. We have 54 languages spoken in our fellowship. And and people say, where did that come from? And the honest answer is one lady from the Philippines asked God to do it. And we've been riding a wave of God's favor for 19 years. And we didn't come to Las Vegas to start something. We were just getting in on what God was already doing. And that's kind of the 19-year journey of our fellowship and kind of where we came from. So the first takeaway, everybody, is you need a Filipino woman praying for you every day. Amen. And, uh, hey, listen, uh, in about year nine of our church, she got married and moved to Florida, and I felt like the glory had departed. Uh-huh. Like we almost all moved to Florida when Letty moved. That's hilarious. You know, it's funny because your and I's story aren't too much different. My first church plant uh, was pretty much after I had my uh, back broken or metaphorically or my teeth kicked in yeah. uh, by a very similar situation. And I quit ministry, went to go work in a Starbucks, told God, I love you. I'm mad at you, but I can't stand your people. I don't want to work for you anymore. I'll follow you, but I ain't working for you. And uh, and boom, you know, tell God that and see yeah. what happens. And that whole idea of just surrendering um, which is a theme because I happen to have a copy of your book Unburden right here that uh, you and I'll do a podcast about uh, on another podcast. But 
that whole thing is a constant theme with you, this whole idea of just surrendering. How has that played in to your role in church multiplication and church planning in general? Yeah, it started for me personally in having to get to that place of dying to self because if, I mean, just to be real transparent, um, when I was pastoring my first church, I was already looking for the next one where I would move to a bigger church and then to a bigger church and then to a bigger church. And everybody even confirmed that that was the track that I was on. They had me slated as being the next leader of this or president of that. And um, God had to really strip me of that pursuit of building my own ministry instead of joining in the activity of expanding his kingdom. And so it really started for me in a moment of surrender, of really coming to that place of dying to self and being willing to say, you know what? I'll go to a place where nobody will ever know my name, where nobody will ever know our church, where we'll never. Because when I left the, the Bible Belt to come to Las Vegas, I really thought, man, I'd left everything behind. I, I thought we were going to struggle for the rest of our lives, be in this small environment. And, and God's given me more platform than I ever <laughs> thought I would ever have. But it, it started in that surrender. And then when you come and you see a church born and you realize one church can't reach a city by itself, you got to even die to the quote unquote success of that church because you've got to be willing to give all of that away. And, and you've got to get to that place where you really value sending more than seeding inside of your mm. fellowship. You, you've got to get to that place of surrendering and realizing that that as a church planter and pastor, your job is not to grow a church. Your job is to introduce people to the king, disciple them in kingdom living, and then send them out for the expansion of God's kingdom, hmm. which is a radically different mindset than I'd come from with the church growth mentality that my job was to grow my church when it's not my job to grow my church and it's not my church anyway. But, but our calling is the expansion of his kingdom and we're to surrender everything to the end that his kingdom be expanded in cities and nations. So surrender daily, surrender in ministry, surrender of the ministry, all of that is what it's really all about. It's that taking up your cross mentality. You know, and that's one of the things that, that I find refreshing, Vance, is that, you know, obviously Exponential has the three to five goal, which three is church growth. You're growing by addition. And level five uh, church planning would, or multiplication would be you're growing by multiplication. In other <laughs> words, you're planting churches that are planting churches to the fourth yeah. generation, which means by that time, you're pretty much losing track of what's actually happening. Yeah. So that level five, what, what's refreshing about you, Vance, is that you, you have grown a church but you were uh, really your burden. And if you walk into the doors of hope, it's literally plastered on the walls. I mean, your guy's vision is to multiply outward. And I've, I've been there. I mean, I, I worked with Mac Lake uh, for a number of years. And um, I remember setting foot for the first time in Hope Chapel to do uh, an assessment there. And Mac yeah. made the comment, Vance was the first pastor to give us a shot at this. Like you even kind of opened up your doors and gave them really a, 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 really a chance to, to, to really blast this thing into the West. And I want to ask you, as you have 
um, really not planted in an easy place, right? Would have been a lot easier to go to somewhere in the Bible Belt or the South where you were from. Oh, yeah. But you managed to go into a city that eats church plants for breakfast. (laughs) And at some point, you had to make the decision, I'm not just going to go for level three growth. I'm yeah. going to go for level five. Yeah. What, what was that journey and how did that happen? What made that essential shift for you? Yeah, it was really two things, uh, Peyton. It started in the call that God gave us when we came here. And that was out of that verse of scripture when Jesus said, I must preach the kingdom to the other cities. I saw something in Jesus that I'd never seen before. And that hmm. was a passion for cities. My entire ministry before moving to Las Vegas revolved around the church. Wow. The goal for me was the church. If the church was healthy, if the church was growing, if the bills were paid, if decisions were made, if the services were good, I was good. I never thought about my city. I I, I never even, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say that, but for 10 years of ministry, my spiritual and emotional health rose and fell based on how the church did. And then I saw in Jesus this passion for cities to be impacted by the expansion of the kingdom. And it redefined the metric for me. Mm. I began to see the church not as the end, but the church as a means to an end. The church is not the goal. The church is the temporary tool. And when I say temporary, I mean the the little C local church. The big C church obviously is the eternal kingdom. But the little C local church is a temporary tool established by Jesus for the expansion of the kingdom in cities and nations. And and you know that it's temporary because every one Paul planted is dead and gone. Every local church he planted is gone, but the kingdom, the big C church is alive and well. So it started in the call. And then as we got here and began to see our church explode with that, I think what you call that level three growth, um, in year four of our church plant, we broke the thousand barrier in attendance in, in weekend services. And we kind of were like excited about that, but we did a study. And, and that was in uh, 2004. So we did a study in 2004 at our current growth rate. If we continued to grow like that by 2035, we would average 35,000 people in weekend attendance in our church. Now, that would make us one of the largest fastest growing churches in the United States of America. But here's what we discovered. Mm. By 2035, they were projecting there would be three and a half million people who would live in Las Vegas. That would mean we would be one of the fastest growing largest churches in America, but we would not have penetrated the lostness of Las Vegas by even 1%. Right. And here's what we realized. That couldn't be kingdom success. If the goal is the expansion of the kingdom in the city, then even the fastest growing church in our nation does not accomplish kingdom success by itself. It demands a multiplication of the church. Here's what we discovered. If we can plant five churches every five years that reproduce and multiply five churches every five years, and we do that until 2035, we could plant over 10,000 churches. Wow. And if those 10,000 churches reach 250 people with the gospel, that's two and a half million people. Now that's penetrating lostness in a city. So we just realized the end game's not the church, it's the kingdom. And one church can't expand the kingdom in a city by itself. And so those were the factors that led us 
to real desperate <laughs> multiplication of the church. I love it, man. That is such a God-sized vision. And what I love about you, Vance, you don't, you're not like a gimmick dude. You know, you're old school. And I yeah. mean that in the best possible way. You're like, hey, I take it as prayer, a compliment. Evangelism, you know, and 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 I'm noticing, and I'm sure that our listeners are gonna notice, this has been a constant theme on this podcast. I mean, we read it in Acts, it's all outlined there. And yeah. we just keep seeing that, hey, that you can't substitute these core principles. But one of the things I want to ask is, obviously, it had to have been challenging, specifically in Las Vegas. Um, I grew up in L.A. and now live in San Diego. So uh, I, I get these dynamics. Um, it's not impossible. It's the same God. I mean, Paul's planted churches all over the place in, in cities that would give us a run for our money. But I want to ask particularly about those earlier days. Um, I want to ask you a twofold question, and you can answer them one at a time. What were some of the biggest mistakes you made as you were making this shift to multiplication? And then the second question is, what were some of the biggest breakthroughs that you had in leading to church multiplication? Hmm. Yeah, great question. And um, when you think about some of the mistakes that we made, I mean, y you can have the right heart, but not really know what to do with the right heart. <laughs> um, so true. <laughs> and so that's kind of where we were early on. We had the right heart, but we didn't have a clue, to be honest with you, what we were doing. I mean, I, I when when we moved to Las Vegas, there were there were three of us that came together as pastors, two of us from Alabama, one from Tennessee. I'd never even been a member of a church that had planted a church, much less had never planted a church. So we didn't have a clue. So you you comment about me kind of doing things the old ways, prayer, desperation, the word. Uh, honestly, I wish I could say it was because I was just that spiritual. Um, the reality is it was just that I was that desperate. Uh, we literally Amen, didn't brother. have another option. It was much like the early church. When you read about them in the upper room uh, on the day of Pentecost praying, it wasn't because they were spiritual. It was because they were terrified. Mm. Jesus had just given them a mission. He said, go to Jerusalem. Well, we know what Jerusalem was. That's where they were hated. Then he said, go to Judea and Samaria. Well, we know what that was. That's where they hated them. And then he said, I want you to go to places you've never been to before, which is the ends of the earth. And you don't know how to get there. Mm. So the plan was go where they hate you, go where you hate them and go where you don't know it exists. And then Jesus disappears. Right. So when they went to the upper room to pray, they weren't doing that because they were spiritual. They were doing that because they were desperate. and They were terrified. And that's exactly where we found ourselves desperate and terrified. And so we, we began to pray. And when we started planting churches, it was the same thing. We were desperate and terrified. We had the right heart, but man, we didn't understand what we were doing. We, we, we sent our, we've now done it 68 times. We've sent guys out of our fellowship with teams to go plant churches. And out of the 68, we've had seven that didn't make it, but the seven that didn't make it were all in the first probably 18 to 20 church plants. Mm. Um, because we just didn't know what we were doing. And right. we didn't know, for example, we didn't have 
assessments back then. I thank God for meeting Mac Lake and him introducing me to this concept of assessment and we're able to bring that to the Western context and develop that and bring some nuances to that that, that helped outside the Bible Belt. But we didn't know anything about assessment. Assessment went, are you willing? If you're willing, we'll plant you. Are you, you breathing? Know? That's you right. Have a warm body. I mean, it was like, we're checking their pulse and we're seeing if they got any money in the bank. And if they do, we'll plant you. <laughs> Uh, That's great. So <laughs> we had guys that were good guys, but some of them just weren't, they weren't the lead planter and they should have been a part of a team rather than the lead guy. Yeah. We didn't understand some team components. Um, we didn't understand some demographic issues that we needed to make sure that the planter was a demographic fit for the context where he was going to plant. Um, we didn't understand the ramp that you needed. Um, I'd come from the Bible Belt where guys would pop up churches in schools and be running 500 people in six months. Um, our church in the West, we came to Las Vegas and, and we exploded fairly quickly. So I didn't understand that in the Western context, a lot of our guys needed, instead of a two to three year on-ramp, they need a five to seven year on-ramp mm. to become healthy, viable. So we just had to learn so many things early on that uh, we just didn't understand that God had to teach us along the way. And by God's grace, as we continued to be teachable, we now feel like, you know, we've learned some things. We, we now do a, an intensive that we call M3. And we've now had 700 church planters that have gone through that three-day intensive. Um, we do it about two or three times a year. We've been doing it for about seven or eight years. We've got over 700 guys that have been through it. And we just take everything we've learned in planting and kind of dump it in three days in an intensive uh, because we feel like we've learned some stuff now through mistake and through error and through trial. Um, but those were some of the, the, the challenges on the other side, you talked to, I think the question was about some of the, the blessing. Um, I think the biggest single blessing is just learning that you can't out give God. Hmm. Uh, Jesus said, if you will seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added unto you. Hmm. In Philippians, Paul says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, people love to take that verse out of context and make it a blank check, but that verse is actually written in the context. It's the climax of a thank you letter that Paul's writing to one of the churches that had been most engaged in joining in kingdom expansion and church multiplication through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. So Paul's thanking them for this letter. And Paul says, listen, if you're a church that prays for kingdom and you give to the kingdom and you send people out because they'd sent people out of their church like Epaphroditus and yeah. Philippi, Paul says, man, my God is going to supply your needs. Yep. And we have just seen that from the very first time we did this. Uh, the first church we planted, we were a year and a half old. We we're running 300 people. We brought in a team. We sent out, uh, we, we sent them out and we said, anybody wants to go with them? We want to send you with them. Well, 40 people went with them. Now, when you got 300 that you've scratched and clawed to get to 300 and 40 leave, that will test your faith because it wasn't Absolutely. the 40 I would have picked. Right. Um, They're usually those, your best ones that go. <laughs> they were the best of the best. Some of our, our young leaders and, and risk takers and yep. faith filled people, we sent them out. And we literally were terrified for the next week. Well, the next weekend, largest attendance, largest offering we'd had in the, in the year and a half history of our church. Yeah. We've now done it 68 times. And every single time we send out, 
God, we've sent out 450 people out of our fellowship to be involved in church planting in, in the Western United States throughout these, the, these years. And every time God just seems to double it and send it back in. It's not a give to get mentality, but I'm just telling you, you can't outgive the father when he finds yes. a church that is a yeah. conduit for the kingdom. He will funnel his resources through the kingdom. It's huge, man. And, you know, I haven't led a mega church since I was in my 20s. But as soon as I hit the mission field, I mean, and we started planting, we had this, this parable from Jesus that we used as one of our values. We just, we didn't really know what to, to, to call it. We just would refer back to that parable where Jesus says, when you throw a banquet, throw it for the people who can't repay you. Yeah. And we just said, man, we don't know what to call that, but that's a kingdom ethic. Like do stuff that makes no sense. Yeah. And I've long since held the idea that as a pastor and as a spiritual leader, I can learn a lot from businessmen. But also, I believe that businessmen can learn a lot from pastors and missionaries. Yeah. Because sometimes they're looking at the ROI, the return on investment, and you go, you know, there's a kingdom principle here at play. And if you will just step out in faith here, you will see exactly what you're talking about on a, on a micro level. Yeah. We broke off people. And there was a psychology that every time we broke off a church plant from our little church, it was maybe only 120 max. It would kind of shore us back down to feeling like a core team again, even though we were much bigger than a core team. But the psychology was, okay, we're shrinking now. Let's get back on our face. Let's get back out there and let's just reach more people with the gospel. And there's something that shakes you up a bit that fosters that dependence on God again. And I think is really helpful. Well, Vance, if uh, you guys have a goal in the next five to 10 years for church multiplication, yeah. what would it be in 30 seconds or less? Yeah, man, I can answer this one easy. We, um, 2017, we launched an initiative. We've asked God over the next 15 years to give us 1% of the Western United States. Mm. 75 million people live in the mountain and Pacific time zones. And we've asked God for 1%, which is 750,000. How do you get there? 300 new churches with a passion to plant 10 churches each. Nice. If 300 churches in the West plant 10 churches each, that's 3,000 churches. If they each reach 250 people with the gospel, that's 750,000. That's 1% of the West. And that's significant because the West is the last pre-Christian context in America. When you study movement globally, movement always happens in a pre-Christian context. It's never post-Christian. It's always pre-Christian. The last hope, I believe, for another great awakening in America is the Western United States. We've asked God to give us 1% as seed to a movement of God again in the United States of America. So that's our passion. We're trying to see that happen. We've put together a coalition of churches. We've launched 68 so far. And our desire is to see 1% of the Western mm. United States reach to see the kingdom expand in North America and around the world. I dig it. Well, hey, my guest today has been Vance Pittman, pastor of Hope Church in Las Vegas. Uh, Vance, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they get in touch with you? Uh, they can do that. I have a website, vancepittman.com, or they can do that via social media. It's just at Vance Pittman on Instagram and Twitter, or our website here at Hope Church is hopechurchonline.com. Also have the uh, Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. They can find uh, on podcasts wherever you can download podcasts. And then the book that just dropped last weekend or last week, uh, Unburdened, you can buy that wherever books are sold. So any of those ways, love to connect and hear from your listeners. 
Absolutely. Thanks for being a guest today and sharing your wisdom about church multiplication on the Exponential Reproducing Churches podcast. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for joining Peyton Jones on the Reproducing Churches podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. Let's increase the number of churches that multiply from 7 to 10%. For more information or resources, such as courses, audios, videos, ebooks, or discounts for the next exponential conference in your area, visit reproducingchurches.org.